As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Tommy Soul's Famous Friends. This is where I get to talk to people that I've encountered over the years in the music business, most of whom are all just a little bit more famous than I am. And today, I have with me one of London's largest advocates for the musical community and entertainment in general, Mr. Mario Cercelli. Welcome to the podcast, Mario. Hi, Tommy. How are you? I'm about as good as can be in, in the current uh, circumstances that we're all faced with. So uh, I wanted to uh, let the people know a little bit about you. Um, so my history on you goes back to the days that you were the uh, former station manager at Radio Western here in London, CHRW. So what can you tell me about that experience? Well, uh, before I tell you about RW, what I can tell you is I've been um, actually part of the, the London music scene from a performance standpoint going back to the uh, early 80s. I actually started playing music when I was in uh, elementary school, and then, you know, like so many people, probably you as well, Tommy, started playing in bands in high school, you know, garage bands, and in the basement, and that kind of thing, and, and uh, continued to play throughout uh, high school and, and into university. Uh, my passion for music really began at an early age. I was about uh, five or six years old. My my dad uh, allowed me to put one of his uh, jazz records on. Uh, we had an old German-made uh, Grundig record player, and he allowed me to put one of his records on and, and notice that I was very careful and appreciative and sat down and listened to the music with him. And, and from that day on, that record player basically became mine. And, and I have older siblings, so I started... Uh, and my siblings are uh, considerably older than I, and, and uh, started basically stealing their um, their records. Uh, my sister was listening to the Beatles and the Stones, and my brother was listening to Chicago and stuff like that. And I just took it over, and as I said, started playing music in elementary school, bands in high school, and played throughout uh, university. And I played in one one ba- I played in a number of different bands, and the good fortune was able to play with a, a lot of great people from London, uh, Jed House and, uh, you know, the likes. And um, But uh, one band in particular, we, we toured uh, across Ontario and some shows in, in the, uh, the northern part of the, uh, the States, and uh, we had a music video on, on Much Music. It was debuted by uh, Erica M., we won a contest for CFNY in Toronto, and uh, so we continued to plug away. We did a lot of showcases for A&M Canada, 
Uh, and then when that disappeared, I was, um, you know, I was fortunate that uh, I continued not in school. So uh, I did a BA and then went in, went and did a degree in journalism. And um, then I decided, okay, I'm not going to be a rock star, Tommy. You know, we, uh, we all come to that realization. At, well, it uh, sounds like you point. came pretty close. What was the name of the band that you had all that exposure on uh, much music and so on? What was that band called? We were called The Thin Line. Okay. And uh, some of the material was available, but unfortunately, we uh, we broke up in a in a big explosion, and so a lot of the material was uh, destroyed. Um, we did uh, we did a bunch of recordings, and we, and we were fortunate. And well, you know, it was part and parcel with the the the, the day. We we didn't have enough money to go in and record on a two inch 24 track. So we went to the original uh, EMAC when it was above uh, uh, on Richmond street upstairs right. there. And we did a bunch of recordings that were uh, basically two track, uh, direct to two track stereo left and right live off the floor. So you can imagine uh, no overdubs, got to get it right. You know, we, we banged about five, six, seven times until we had a tape that we thought, yeah, we're all together, everything's good. So we recorded, uh, I think the uh, the engineer on one of those early projects in 1986 would have been Joe Vaughn. Then uh, we did some 16-track recording with a uh, famous name, John Aquaviva, who uh, went on to become one of the preeminent, preeminent uh, performers in, in his genre. Uh, so we, we did uh, 16 track recordings with uh, John Aquaviva and Thomas Ronan uh, engineered a couple of our projects. He was playing with The Waiting at that time. Great, great London band and still one of my favorite uh, favorite records. So yeah, that was the extent of our uh, of our recording. You know, an LP, a bunch of uh, cassettes and videos, uh, but a lot of uh, the material because. Uh, our breakup was kind of acrimonious. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of the material was uh, destroyed and um, erased and that such. And thanks to uh, local um, local music fan and, and uh, wonderful writer Bob Klanek, who somehow years ago found a copy of our music video and uh, dusted it off and put it up there. But I think it's like a VHS copy because that video was actually shot on 16-millimeter uh, film by... Uh, uh, a great uh, film producer, uh, cinematographer at that time by the name of John Marcinet. And so we, saw, we shot that on 16-millimeter uh, film over over three days, and, and he put it together. So, yeah, that's, uh, that was, that's how my music passion started, and, and along the way, just encouragement from, from amazing people in, in London. I'll, I'll never forget, uh, I think it was in like 10 or 11, and uh, a friend of mine said, hey, there's this place downtown called the Cedar Lounge, the Blue Boot, and they don't really check ID, so we can get in there. So we were thinking it was a night to go out and, and have our first beer in a, in a club, and unbeknownst to me, uh, on stage was 63 Monroe, and it was the first time I saw them, and it was, it was really life-changing. It made me realize, you know what, we can do this. This is this is doable, and these guys are great. And I got to know Scott, and Scott became a big uh, encouragement to me. I mean, his his philosophy was always uh, get up and do it. You do it, you know. Yeah, so, there was a uh, lot. And, uh, there was a lot happening in London in the early '80s. I know I spent some time in that studio at Emac uh, up 
upstairs uh, on Richmond Street as well. And you know, I I've missed that live off the floor uh, method of, of recording. You know, we recently uh, I just finished a, a recording project uh, with uh, Ed Pranskis and Jim Corbett, and Jim suggested, you know, he said I want to play, I want to play through my amp, and I want to feel it in my feet, and I thought. That's brilliant. Why haven't we been doing that? Somebody talked us into this console, this plugging in, you know, thing years ago. We've been just doing it that way, but it's so nice to do it in an organic way. Yeah, you're you're right, Tommy. And and I mean, you, you've done some uh, some beautiful uh, recordings uh, over the the course of your career. But you're you're absolutely right. There's something organically beautiful about uh, just plugging in and playing together and capturing that that energy that when you get into multi-tracking and you're you know you're, you're recording but you you want to scrub a bunch of tracks because really you're only going out for the drums and the bass for the first pass sometimes it, it feels clinical and there's a lot to be said for uh, live recordings now we, we did eventually get to do uh, 24 track recording for um, the very first uh, CHRW London Underground uh, record, and, and we went to Oyart and worked with uh, Tim Lunt and landed a song on that comp, and we were very proud of it. That kind of started things going for us because it was a song on that record that won us the CFMY contest, and we were just proud to be on uh, a record with bands that we um, admired and and uh, actually looked to for direction, like Suffer Machine and uh, Sheep Look Up and um, Elmo TV and Nosmo King, all these these really really um, band great bands and and bands that we thought were infinitely better than, than we were, and of course they <laughs> they were. Um, and sometimes you know because we got to know them and, and we would share a stage with them. Uh, in the writing process later, we would be like, okay, so we're working on a song. What would what would Pogo Pete do here? What would Suffer Machine do here? How would they launch into this bridge? What would you know? What would the Sheep do? Because we had become friends, and, and more importantly, we were fans and we admired them, and that was our uh, twenty-four track recording. Right. So. All that eventually led you to uh, a position with CHRW. How did that happen? Yeah, so good question. So again, when I realized I wasn't going to be a rock star, and, and I came from a family that highly encouraged education, and thankfully for my mom who cracked the whip, I did a, did a BA at Western and then went on into journalism, was doing that. I, I Sometimes when I look back, Tommy, I, I, I can't believe I actually graduated in between playing all the gigs and <laughs> You know, Thursday nights here and Saturday and Friday here. And, but anyway, uh, I did and, and so realized uh, A&M uh, was snooping around and, and courting us for the better part of uh, a year. And then when they said, nah, we're, we're not interested, uh, we continued to play, but my focus turned more uh, on education. I realized, you know, I, I better go into journalism. So graduated, I started working uh, as a stringer at CBC uh, Radio. Then I got a, a full-time gig at CJCS in uh, Stratford, doing uh, news and sports and, and uh, reporting. And uh, very quickly, within about two years, I just uh, I got tired with the construct of commercial radio, and I really said to myself, you know, is, is, this, is this my career? I'm going to be you know, sounding like this and, and doing this formulaic stuff. 
And uh, actually, it was, uh, I, I, I can't remember his name. Uh, unfortunately, he was the engineer at CJBK, and uh, I had known him from, he also did uh, live music sound. And he called me up one day and said, hey, CHRW is looking for a uh, station manager, and I know you're, you're not happy doing what you're doing. I applied. They brought me in for a couple of interviews, and, uh, and I got the, uh, the gig, and it turned out to be uh, 11 of the best years of, of my life. We, um, uh, I, got to, I got to work with so many great people who went on to amazing careers in journalism, so many great people who uh, were entrenched in doing really, really good music stuff and, and producing and engineering. So um, the, the opportunity at RW allowed me to uh, become even greater entrenched in the local music scene, but from a different perspective. Rather than the performance perspective, I switched to behind the scenes, and I, I started engineering and producing, and as I said, got to... Um, to work with a lot of great people, and, and from there I, I thought and had some good support from the board that um, we should continue to do those compilations. So I produced um, uh, CHRW London Underground 2, London Underground 3, uh, and a jazz record that we called uh, Jazz and Beyond, and still has one of my favorite tracks uh, featuring John Newberian on uh, piano. And it was just a great opportunity, Tommy, and... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. decade for me, a great decade of uh, my life and got to meet a lot of people and it was a time when when I was younger and just uh, exposed to so much great music. I, I mean, truth be told, I was listening to probably 10 to 15 new records a week, you know, taking two, three records home a night um, and, you know, while I'm going about my routine of helping to make dinner and making dinner and then the kid, kids arrive and bathing the kids and stuff, I'd always have music playing in the background and so exposed to really great uh, great music and and um, you know if I'd realized and I did realize when I was on the performance and that hey something really cool happens in this city there's like you know Suffer Machine is a great band the Sheep they're a great band the Zealots all of those guys but um, as I continued on into more of the production world and got to work with bands like the Gandarvas or Adam West and uh, the Finraft, uh, Vince Braca, one of the great vocalists to come out of this city, I realized, you know, this is not just, there's something happening here. It's not just from a, one era or another. It's continuous. This city is putting out musicians, and you're part of it, Tommy, at a, at a very high caliber. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I interviewed somebody from my original hometown of North Bay, uh, the other day, and we talked about how there must be something in the water up there. And then, as we started, you know, went on, I thought, and that's probably why I've stayed in London all this time because it's 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 one of those things. There's something in the water here that just it's got to be something in the air, or whatever that produces all the, the immense talent we have in this city and, and in the area. 
you're right. And, and, you know, it could be environmental. It could be proximity. Uh, trust me, I thought about it a lot. I also produced a, a documentary for CTV. I don't remember when it was. It was a long time ago. Uh, Stinking Out the Joint, which chronicled the city's punk rock scene from 76 to 86. And I learned a ton. And, uh, you know, uh, Dan Husband uh, made the made the great point in that documentary. He said, you know, London is white-collar, conservative, you know, prim and proper. There's no doubt that a potent punk rock scene would explode from this city. And he was absolutely right. And, and Jamie Conyers, uh, who played in Condo Christ, said the same thing. And, and so it could be, you know, the proximity could be something in the water. It could be our, our geopolitical situation. Um, we're halfway between Detroit, halfway between Toronto, but we're neither. I don't know. But There's definitely something going on here. Yeah. Right. So tell me about the Ontario Independent Music Archives. Well, that was a, a project I started with the uh, National Campus Radio Association. So I had I had developed at CHRW, we, one of the things that we did was we started the London Music Archive. And uh, so I got that rolling. And because um, we wanted to archive, as you can imagine, Tommy, um, all kinds of bands do like basement recordings or even what they think are, are great recordings, but recording to cassette. And they're only on cassette. And they were distributed that time and, and on cassette. And over time, they'd be lost. So I thought, we need to chronicle all this great music in, in uh, London. So I started gathering as much as I could and, and uh, coding it, and we created that. And then I thought, we should do this for Ontario. So I approached the NCRA, and um, they agreed. And so together with them, uh, the NCRA has since left the project, so I try to maintain it the best I can, but it's, uh, it's a lot of, it's not really a lot of work, it's, it's technologically uh, challenging. So we wanted to, to chronicle or at least preserve music of Ontario, and uh, that's, uh, that's the little OIMA project. Uh, I'd like to, uh, to continue uh, pushing that, that rock up the hill, but as I said, with uh, technological challenges and, and human resource challenges, it's, it's difficult, but we do have a library, and it's there, and it's accessible, and uh, and it includes some bands from uh, North Bay, so I should go, go through that and send you some of the uh, the ones that we have from, from uh, your hometown. That sounds uh, that sounds pretty exciting. I don't I don't know how you get any sleep. You're a really busy guy. Um, so I, and I I didn't even know that that uh, was an ongoing thing. I thought it was something from the past. So I'm learning uh, now. I we don't need to talk about this one for too long. I, I know that uh, may not have been a very amicable split, or I'm hearing it wasn't. But the London Music Awards. It, I understand you were instrumental in getting that started as well. Yeah, so um, myself and uh, Ian Gifford uh, helped in the early days. This would be uh, 2001. We actually convened a, a meeting. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, good people from London uh, were were involved in that uh, original meeting, and uh, we unfortunately didn't get you know a lot of momentum. So we just decided to do it, do it on our, on our own, and we started as the uh, London Music Awards. After the success of the first one, we brought in a, a promotional partner, a publisher from a, a local uh, magazine, who shall remain nameless. That's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. who, who 
had a different goal than, than our volunteer board. And he thought that this was a, a great idea, but it was a great idea to make money. Uh, we didn't agree. Uh, we didn't think there was an opportunity to make money and still to this day, 18, leaders, uh, 18 years later, um, it's not a money maker. We pay our bills, but uh, nobody gets paid and, and uh, the not-for-profit uh, isn't... Um, isn't uh, stacked with with money, but uh, so this individual uh, decided to take it upon himself to basically uh, take the name and incorporate it as a limited company and install himself as the uh, president. And we couldn't live with that, so we broke away. And uh, I reached out. I met Jack Richardson uh, a couple of years previous. He really impressed me. He was an individual who I thought people should know about. So that's how we morphed. Uh, into that um, name, and then our relationship with the uh, the Richardson estate ended after Jack had uh, passed away, and so we just went back to our original name, which is the London uh, Musical Awards, but we added uh, Forest City to it because the that limited company, although it's not in uh, it's not in action, that name is is still there. So we went with the uh, Forest City London Music Awards, and basically went back to our original roots. And the, um, the mission, the goals all reflect the fact that we're not-for-profit uh, and that we're there really on four pillars, Tommy, which is to preserve the music history, to support and celebrate what's happening, and to encourage people to continue to make music in, in London. And, and 18 years later, we, uh, we continue to do it on a voluntary basis. I did uh, step aside for... Uh, maybe five, maybe six years, and, um, and the group continued on, on on their own. And then a few years ago, they called me up and said, uh, we'd like you to come back and, and help us out, and, and I agreed. And, and there's some great, great people there. You know the O'Hallorans, right? Reno O'Halloran right. uh, is, is our curator, and, and she and her husband did What Wave for so many years. I mean, just a wealth of knowledge with those two people. London uh, music supporter James Rainey on the board uh, and uh, some others. So really, really good people. We carry the mantle. Well, I, I don't know why they wouldn't have asked you back. I mean, you are certainly an ardent supporter and fan and encourager. Uh, if there's anybody in this area who's uh, about nurturing new talent and, and talent in general, it's it's got to be you. You are perhaps London's and southwestern Ontario's biggest cheerleader, that's for sure, for the music. Well, thanks, thanks, Tommy, and, and that means a lot to me because, uh, you know, I do it uh, I do it because I love the music, and I do it because, and I've done it because I like the people, and, and some of, you know, I've, I've developed great friendships and relationships, and, uh, and I do it because I love the music and the people, and I'm convinced and was convinced that, you know, Tommy Solo and the, and the Night Crew, that band is as good as any band anywhere. Um, you know, Adam West was as good as any band anywhere. And some of the individual performers, I mean, just think of all the great drummers that have come out of London. No kidding. All the great guitarists that have come out of London. And, you know, I, I skew a little bit towards percussion because that was where I came from. But, like, world-class drummers, you know, Graham Lear and... and um, you know, John Knapp and Ted Peacock and Seamus Ellie and, and on and on and on and on, you know, and, and right, right to this day, some great, great, great drummers who, in my opinion, uh, could step into any outfit anywhere in the world. And 
and I get a charge out of it. So I'm 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 happy to do it. Yeah, that's that's for sure. So all these years later, now you're um, you're involved with the Boys and Girls Club here in London, and I, I know that you love to nurture music with the kids and and uh, entertain and and uh, make their lives a little happier. And out of that, uh, you've now uh, created the Digital Creative Arts Center. Tell me about that. You know, Tommy, sometimes the, um, you know, life takes you by the wrist and leads you where it thinks you should go. Or, you know, if you're um, spiritual, you can say the Lord guides you where, uh, where she wants you to go. It was a point in my career where I was... Uh, winding down uh, my professional career and thinking about what was next. And uh, the, uh, one of the uh, senior executives at um, Boys and Girls Club reached out to me and said, we noticed that we were really lacking in music education and music programming. And we made a few calls and uh, a bunch of people recommended you. And um, I thought, wow, that's amazing. Thank you. Um, and we started developing programming for kids uh, involving music but also for seniors and young adults. And then as I was putting together a uh, business plan, a package proposal, I realized, you know what, we can do something even greater than just a course here and a program there. Let's stitch together something that's unique and um, offer Londoners um, exposure to the digital creative arts, which is, you know, music. Music is all digital now, and, and film and photography and graphics, and we tie it all together. The vision really started with, you know, if I could use you as an example, so Tommy Solo, because it's the, sorry, let me step back a sec. So the, the facility is a recording studio, um, a classroom, and a performance space. So Tommy Solo comes in, and here's where the DCAC vision came. And the night crew records. Well, after they record, they may want they may want to do a music video. Okay, so we can offer a music video, and they may need some still photography for an EPK. Okay, so we've got photography, and they may want somebody to um, put together a logo and some artwork. So we've got the graphic, and I kind of thought we could offer the whole thing in one turnkey opportunity at one facility, and and that's how the Digital Creative Arts uh, Center started. But it's been a real um, it's, it's been a real passion piece and so rewarding, particularly the work that I'm doing with seniors with disabilities really makes you realize uh, what's important in life. Absolutely. And I, I, I personally have been enjoying the videos that uh, kids, you know, that you put together with kids. That, that's awesome. Well, thank you. It's a, it's a lot of fun. And... Um, I think there's a lot of merit to it, particularly in this day and age when pre-COVID-19 governments were already squeezing the arts and taking arts out of uh, school and taking music out of school. You realize there's two high schools in London that have no music program whatsoever. That's unbelievable. And then the rest of the high schools, some of them have just a vocal program. It's easy to run just vocal. You don't need instruments. And some schools have just a, a wind program, and, and some schools have just a, a little program. I think there's only one or two schools that offer vocal, string, and wind all together. And that's that's kind of a travesty. We, we need to allow kids to explore all of them. If you want to sing, sing. You want to pick up a, a violin, do that. You want to pick up a saxophone or a clarinet, do that. But if, if the schools aren't offering it, um, so that's part of the thing we do there too. We have 
at the BCAC, we have instruments, so when people come in for um, for lessons, for education, we can give them the loan them the uh, the instrument. Yeah, that's that's really awesome. I mean, I I for one really appreciate how much you support the uh, the youth getting into the music, and I know there's an aspect to that uh, tied into the Forest City London Music Awards as well. Uh, isn't there a bursary tied into that? Oh yeah. Thank you for mentioning that. So that's part of the the pillar of encouraging and supporting. So there's two things we do at the Music Awards at CLMA is the high school battle of the bands. So that's where we reach out to high schools who are in an ad hoc band situation, similar to what we did when we started playing. You and I, we started playing uh, in bands in high school. It wasn't part of a curriculum. It wasn't part of a course program. We just got together with some buddies and started jamming. We want to encourage that kind of organic thing, so the high school battle of the bands. On the formal front, we want to encourage uh, high school students who are in a music program to continue in music education, and we do that through the Ken Palmer uh, bursary, and we make two $1,000 cash awards available to uh, graduating music students intending to go on in music education anywhere in uh, Ontario. And it's our way of supporting. It's also our, our way of honoring um, uh, Ken Palmer, who was a longtime music teacher, uh, was the, uh, the the head of the um, Home County Music Festival, and uh, a musician, and was a, a good friend of uh, the London Music Community and um, the London Music Awards. And so when he passed, we thought that we should do something in his honor and, and um, something that in his honor, supports music education, and hence the uh, FCLMA Ken Palmer bursary. Well, you certainly do honor local talent, that's for sure. Uh, I don't know if I have any more questions for you. Uh, Maybe I'll just let you have a final word if there's anything else that you want to talk about specifically. Um, Not really, except to say, you know, I think we've captured it. There's there's something special going on in music in this city. And it's been going on for a long time. It may, the genesis of the whole thing may go back to the turn of the last century and Barney Venuta and Guy Lombardo and on from there. Maybe that's what, what started the fire, as uh, Billy Joel said. He didn't want to take the praise for starting the fire, but maybe that's where it, it started. Right. I think we need to continue to encourage ourselves. The best advice I can give people is I, I get disappointed when I look at certain genres in the city that are really fractionalized, fractionalized and, and cooperate, uh, share gear, share bills, put bills together on, on your own, support each other, go to each other's shows. I mean, now we can't, but now we can at least go to each other's Facebook uh, lives and, and that sort of thing. We well, need to lift each other up. Speaking um, of sharing but, bills and lifting people up, I was very fortunate that you offered to partner with me on the uh, last Rockin' for Kids uh, benefit for the Children's Health Foundation that we, we put on. And honestly, I I wouldn't have had a clue who half of the, the, the people that, uh, that you booked on the lineup were. And I was very pleasantly surprised at some of the talent. I mean, you brought in the Grand Banks from, from the Kitchener area. Amazing talent, yeah. you know, and uh, yeah. young uh, Tyler Stewart. With the, you know, I'm not personally. I'm not a huge fan of that style of music, but I can really appreciate the positive message, you know, in what he was doing. Uh, and you were instrumental in putting that show together. 
And I, in fact, recently I, I said to my wife, Lisa, that, you know, if things never turn back on, we don't get to play any, any shows like that anymore. At least the last one was the best one. And I owe you a debt of gratitude. I mean, we, we didn't make a lot of money for the foundation, but I think we, we really had a, a good show and we mission accomplished. Thanks to you. Well, I, I really appreciate that. You, you don't have to thank me uh, at all, Tolly, because you're doing you're doing God's work, and I, I certainly understand how personal uh, that mission is to you. And um, you know, when you when you reached out, it was it was a no brainer. Yeah, I can I can get behind this, and I can put some sweat into it, and, and help uh, make it a success um, because. You you've been doing it, and and I I certainly understand the the great the beautiful reason that that you do that. So I respect that helping you out was was nothing. But you did make a, a really good point about being exposed to other genres and other talent. That's so important. That's part of the thing that we try to do at the FCMA too. Sometimes when we we arrange bills uh, for different showcases. We'll put a rock band with a jazz band with a folk band. Um, we want people to come together. The the, um, the one of the big points around the FCLMA All Stars when we put together annually put together the All Star band that performs at uh, New Year's Eve. It's putting together musicians who would never normally work together. And it's a beautiful thing when you have, you know, somebody saying, you know, I would have never worked with Casper, but I'm glad I did, you know, because I'm not part of the hip-hop scene, but, man, he brought a lot to this to this band. Or working with, um, you know, Brad Levard, who, who would never perform with um, uh, John Broxham or something like that. And, and just putting people together and saying, okay, that's all... And it develops a sense of collegiality. It develops a sense of understanding. And as you said, it exposes people to other talent that you otherwise wouldn't know, you wouldn't be aware. Because some, it's human nature. Sometimes we stick to what's comfortable and we stay within that lane, not knowing that there are other things happening in different lanes. Well, back to uh, rocking for kids for a minute. And, and you talked about how you understand how... how um, heavy that was on me you know it, it was never an easy burden to carry on my own but just brings to mind the uh the famous song he ain't heavy he's my brother and uh i felt like i had a brother in arms uh, this time around and i i very much appreciate everything you do mario so uh i guess on behalf of everybody uh, uh i'm going to thank you again for all you do for london and, and southwestern ontario and the entertainment community Tommy, it's a, it's a pleasure to work with you. It's a pleasure to, to know you and, and thank you. And um, what I want to say to you and as we uh, as we part is keep playing. Keep playing music, man. Okay? It's, it's that important. You guys uh, blew the roof off of Run Runners that night. It was such a treat with Roger uh, and Cindy and Ed and, and yourself and uh, your special guests. Um, keep playing, buddy, because you're doing good stuff. And, and when we're going to do the Rockin' for Kids next year, we may have to rejig it because of the new reality. We may have to turn to online and we'll do something online and we'll have a, a tip jar um, portion to it. But uh, keep it going, man. Keep well, let's going. just uh, keep the faith and keep the hope. And thanks so much for being on the podcast, Mario. I look forward to a time when we can get together for a coffee again. In the meantime, stay safe, stay well. All the best to you and your family. And until we see each other again, cheers.
God bless, Tommy. Thanks. Thank you. Well, that was a fun interview with Mario Cercelli. Now, without further ado, here is a sample of the song that Mario played drums on with his band, The Thin Line, that was featured on Much Music, among other things. Hot Big Bang. Please enjoy. registered, copywritten, all rights reserved. The theme music for Tommy Solo's Famous Friends was written, recorded, and performed by Tommy Solo with a little help from my friends in the night crew. Copyright, T-Carrier 2016, all rights reserved. Thanks for being here, and hey, if you like the podcast, why not subscribe to Tommy Solo's Famous Friends on Google, Apple, or Spotify. Until next time, cheers!
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.